Hello, everybody, and welcome back. It is time for another edition of the Jack Wagon Sports Podcast on the Jack Wagon Network. Um, excited to bring you guys another episode. Still down a man. Uh, Nick is still taking care of baby Kaysen. Actually, he went back to work this week, uh, but he still has a lot going on at home, so he gets one more week off, and then if he doesn't come back, he's fired. Um, nonetheless, uh, we had a big weekend in sports uh, from NASCAR's super long rain delay <laughs> to a lot of golf news coming out more and more. Um, the NHL has finally wrapped up their season. The Colorado Avalanche are the Stanley Cup champions. Um, and lots more to talk about. Uh, real quick, I guess we'll, we'll start with that. Uh, Slade, you had the correct prediction. You had Colorado in six games. That's what it ended up being. Uh, what were your thoughts on the, on the series as a whole? Uh, and and your, your first really experience of, of hot playoff hockey yeah i think that it was a really good series um i think that from the start we saw at the beginning of the playoffs that the abs were just on another level from everyone mm-hmm. else um tampa bay just had that uh not gonna quit attitude it seemed like throughout the entire playoffs i think that that's probably one of uh the main like my assumption is probably that's why you would pick them just because they they had the experience and that not going to give up attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just seemed like Colorado wasn't going to go to seven games. Um, yeah. That's why I'd pick six. There for a second, we had debated on whether they were going to get it done in five, but the Lightning definitely made sure that that wasn't the case. And uh, it was just funny to see that they were trying to get the team pick and uh, <laughs> they had already dented the, <laughs> the trophy and everything. So, it, yeah, it was just, it was just really cool to see them get to celebrate an incredible mm-hmm. season. It would have, it would have definitely been um, very upsetting for them to have the uh, dominant season that they did have and then to come up short. Yeah. Um, what were your thoughts? Um, I mean, like you said, great series all around. I mean, if you think back to game five, I think Colorado went into that game with just a conservative mindset. Like, well, we, we, we can't lose game. Like, we need to win the cup in front of our fans. And I feel like you could just see that mentality throughout them that entire game of like, trying to almost do too much to make sure that they won that game. And they made a lot of, yeah, made a lot of mistakes in Tampa Bay. It was, you know, an experienced team and was able to take advantage of that. That's how they were able to push it to six. Um, game six was a super tight back and forth game. Not, not a lot of scoring, obviously. Um, but you watched the third period and that was the moment that Colorado stamped itself as we are, we are going to win this. It, at no point in that entire third period that I think, oh, Tampa Bay, you know, they can make a make a charge here. They needed luck to get on their side if, if they wanted, you know, a, a puck to get past, you know, that defense and, and Kemper um, to tie it up because the, the pressure Colorado kept on them for 20 full minutes in the third period was outstanding to see. I think they had, like, before it, it was an empty net, I know Tampa Bay had two shots on net the entire third period which for their caliber of offense and, and the players they have on offense is just absurd to think of. Um, I believe, I don't know what Kemper's final average was, uh, you know, at the end of game seven. I know going into game seven, it was like right at 0.9. And he gave up that first goal early. I know he didn't face a lot of shots, so I don't know what his overall percentage ended up being. But if it's below a 0.9, I'm pretty sure he's the first ever goaltender and like modern history to win, to have his team win the Stanley Cup with his save percentage is below a 0.9, which is absurd. But that just speaks to how great 
offensively that that team was as a whole. Um, and, you know, defensively too, with McCarr, uh, both the Johnsons um, just playing their absolute heart out and, and, you know, not ever giving up. Um, Kale McCarr, what a rookie year. I mean, drafted, I think two years ago. Um, this is his first full rookie year in the league, wins the Calder, wins the Norris Trophy for the best defenseman, um, wins the Conn Smythe Trophy as the, you know, finals MVP. And then, you know, on top of it, gets the Stanley Cup. Um, I think this is a rookie year that will never be topped. And, you know, he's already being compared to people like Bobby Orr and, and players like that, which, you know, obviously we need to see consistency going forward out of him, which I don't think he'll have a problem doing. Uh, he looks like a grown man playing a, a kid's game out there at times. Um, but I feel really, you know, happy for the Avalanche. A lot of their players, uh, Rantanen, uh, McKinnon, Landeskog, um, like I said, the Johnsons, uh, players that have been in the league for a decent amount of time that are finally getting to win the cup. You know, uh, it was McKinnon last year when they got knocked out of the playoffs. Um, basically said, I've been in the league nine years. I've never won a fucking thing. And, you know, he turns around and a year later, he's a Stanley Cup champion. And that's, that's something you can't take away. Um, as for the trophy getting dented, obviously, it's not the first time it's happened, but it's the fastest. And they, I think they said it's the first time it's ever happened while the, the trophy was still in the ice. Yeah. Um, but th- that's what happens when you let guys that you know didn't play at all and you see why they don't play now um, touch the cup. But uh, <laughs> nonetheless, overall, throughout the whole playoffs, I feel like. Be, everything being back more to normal, I'm, um, but, you know, arenas packed, um, you know, the regular playoff format. And I, I think it just helped bring that intensity back that's been missing for two plus years now. Um, so I, I think the NHL brought a lot of new fans in, uh, you know, obviously you and Nick are, are two of those. But overall, I, th- I think you, country and, you know, th- throughout the rest of the world, they have a lot more fans on the eyes. Or, eyes on them now and so hopefully they can continue to find ways to build momentum and keep bringing more people and keep those those new people and old people and everybody invested into the game of hockey and keep growing it um but they definitely needed this year to bounce back after the i mean and every sports league does but you know the last few years have been pretty lean and rough for them and so hopefully this is giving them a lot of momentum and and can help them continue an upward trend yeah, two quick things. Um, mm-hmm. I just thought it was really cool that I didn't know that it was like this forbidden thing that like, um, like as the players that just won this week, uh, they shouldn't let like their sons touch the the, the uh, trophy because it's like a bad omen for them that they'll never get to touch it then when they play later on. And there was actually a guy on the Avs that had got to touch the, the trophy as a kid and he broke that like omen. He was like the first known kid to like mm-hmm. touch the, the trophy and then go on to win um yeah i I feel like lately like the superstition around that has gone away because every time like so at 95 it started where every player gets a day with the cup like they they fly to you wherever you want to you they will meet you wherever you want and they'll meet you you get a, a full 24 hours with with the stanley cup um and with that coming around like Everybody, like, their kids are around it. Like, we saw videos of, like, Avs players had their kids drinking out of the cup like they did. Like, I, I feel like that's that superstition has gone away. Much like with the Prince of Wales trophy, and I forget what the other uh, conference championship trophy is called, but it used to be a, a superstition for years that you, you weren't supposed to touch that because 
if you touched that trophy, it meant you were never going to touch the Stanley Cup. And so for years, teams didn't do it. Other have been exceptions along the way, like the Penguins are a big one. The one year since uh, Sidney Crosby has gotten there, they, they didn't touch it. And then the very first year they made it to the finals, they didn't touch the, the conference finals trophy. They went and they lost in uh, six games, I think, uh, to Detroit in the finals. The very next year, they make it back to the conference finals again. And Crosby said, fuck it, and he touched it. And then they went on to win the Cup. So every year, the Penguins make it. They touched it. I know the Avalanche touched it this year. I didn't see what Tampa Bay did. I don't know if they touched it or not. But, it, again, that's kind of one of those superstitions where it just depends on the person. But, like, you, it's just a, a sign of the times that it's starting to change where a lot more people are, are touching the trophy. A lot of their kids are touching the trophy. Uh, but I was looking it up earlier because I wanted to see, like, the significant times the Stanley Cup was damaged and, um, you know, talking about the, the ass player denting it before, you know, they even left the ice. And um, I think it was 1967. Whenever the last time the Maple Leafs won the Stanley Cup, uh, they were having a bonfire afterwards and somehow the Stanley Cup ended up getting thrown into the fire. And I was like, like, we laugh at like how much of a cursed franchise that is. And I didn't realize that happened. That's probably why they have never made it back since. Uh, so that's <laughs> hilarious to think of. But, I, and you know what? I don't feel bad for Toronto. I hope they're cursed forever. Uh, the other thing, there was um, like a, a sports fan online that had tweeted mm-hmm. out about the possibility of Sidney Crosby going don't, to don't, don't get me started on that. Seattle Kraken. <laughs> what? What do you that think? Happen. What do you think hap- would happen trade-wise for that to happen? Realistically, uh, not like because you're a fan and, and he is one of like no. one of your, your favorite players you know. Not like, a, well, we would need 10 first-round picks. Like, What would be your realistic like thought on what the Seattle Kraken would have to give up player or pick-wise to be able to, to possibly make something like that happen? I don't think it's unrealistic to say they would need multiple first-round picks. Um, I wouldn't go as far to say 10, but I would say multiple first round picks and like, see the, the biggest problem is yet, like they don't have any big names to trade. And the ones they do are like the rookies that they have, they've drafted and that they're trying to build that franchise around. Um, wait, who, who, cause they're, they're, uh, the hockey, when they, when they open up new franchise, it works. Like they get so many like a plus players, like who did they pick up that they yeah. now don't really have anyone worth trading? No, so um, so what happened? Like, you know, Nick and I were talking about this. So a couple of years ago, obviously Vegas gets sprung into the league. It's the first time since the '90s that, Flurry. yeah, the '90s since the NHL had an expansion draft. And I feel like a lot of the the teams, a lot of them were obviously stacked, and that's why they, you know, they had to give up some really big players. But a lot of them just weren't prepared at all for for what was going to happen. Um, you know how the system was going to work. Right. I, I, yeah, I think it was a mix of that and just, I don't know, probably stupidity. Um, but Vegas got, like, ridiculously good draft picks. And even, like, after the draft, they're like, oh, you know, we're probably not going to compete this year. And then, like, two months into the season, they're like, oh, shit, well, we're the best team, so, like, we're going to go for the cup. <laughs> whereas this time around with, yeah. Whereas this time around with, like, Seattle, everybody's a lot more wiser. And just they put overall. They on the right people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, overall, it was just not as as deep of a of a field uh for them to okay. pick through um i mean granted seattle did get some pretty decent players um but they got a lot of draft capital even before the trade deadline and then 
this year we had the trade deadline and they got even more draft capital. So they like they traded they're away. More, they're more setting up for the future. Right. They, they they have looked at Vegas. They've seen what's happened there and said, we don't want to do it. We want to build a franchise to be a, a perennial contender, not have a win now mentality and completely just fuck our franchise for the next five years, maybe, maybe even longer. Um, but so I think that's the, the, the key difference between, and like I said, so this year at the trade deadline, they gave up a lot of the players that had any value really at all. And they got a ton of draft capital back. So they're stocking themselves up right before, right before these big teams are going into the playoffs, right. they're unloading those, those higher level players. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, but so like the only, as a Penguins fan, the only player I would I'd accept from Seattle would be Bernier. But I know that yeah, that is Seattle's goal. That is Seattle's yeah. Sidney Crosby. So like they won't give him up because that's who they want their franchise built around for the future. Um, but yeah, I, I saw that. Yes, I think I sent it to you guys. But yeah, um, the guy who wrote that was had to be on crack because then he went. What did he say? Uh, at the end, he said it's not Sid the kid anymore. Or something. Yeah, Sid. Yeah. Sid the squid. Sid. The, yeah, Sid the squid. And I was like, okay, this is the dumbest shit I've ever heard. <laughs> um, but not just what Crosby means to that team, but I mean the city as a whole. He is. Now that Big Ben's gone, like he is the only recognizable face for franchises in that city. Um, Correct. And so he he will retire a Penguin. I don't see him ever leaving. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of talk right now about Latang and Malkin leaving. Um, I don't. Everybody online says both of them need to come back. I think the only one that needs to come back is Malkin, because um, I Latang's an absolute defensive liability. But we'll have to see what happens. But. Um, yeah, that little fever dream that guy was having on Reddit. I don't, I don't see that ever happening. I think you're right. I think Sidney Crosby and probably at this point Mike Tomlin are probably the two most recognizable like names in Pittsburgh yeah. right now. Like, and I remember like especially when we were in high school, like the Pirates got really good in baseball, and so you, McCutcheon. Yeah, you had the big. It was everybody was it was McCutcheon or Burnett. Burnett, you could argue which one, but they had a um, uh, Garrett Cole on their team at one point. Yeah, and so. Like you had like these big faces of these franchises, and now it's every other franchise is having a change in the guard. I mean, the Pirates have not been great for years now, um, but they have a good youth group right now. We'll have to see what happens there. Uh, in Pittsburgh, you know, they had a full team revamp. Like it, five years ago, I don't think anybody would have would have predicted this is what that team was going to look like. Um, and so again, like they don't have a face right now. We'll have to see what happens this year, and, and you know who becomes the leader on the team. Um, Whereas I feel like the Penguins are a little better set up for the future as far as like having faces of the franchise. Because we have Crosby. Like, I think he said he wants to play at least three more. I think that's easily attainable for him if he can stay healthy. We'll see. Uh, but, I mean, we're set up for the future behind him with like Jake Gensel, um, Tristan Jari, depending on how long he stays there, you know, things like that. So um, I think the city of Pittsburgh would riot if they traded Sidney Crosby. For, for draft picks. Do you think it would be best for him and the team in, say, three years after he's given those three years that he felt he had left for him to go take a big contract, kind of be like that team mentor on, on whatever team that he goes to, and for Pittsburgh to get a, a good amount of either cash or picks or, or trade value, you know? Yeah. So I think his, his full contract is up in three years. And so at that point, like, I – if he's going to resign, it's like I said, it's, it's going to be with Pittsburgh. I don't see him going anywhere else. 
to even take like a lesser deal just to be that like that mentor role. If if anything, if he's going to do something like that, he's going to go be a coach or, or something like that. I don't see him um, leaving the, the the team and the, the city as a whole to be like, oh, well, let me go to Seattle and, and mentor this team for two years. And if, if he retires, it's because he feels like he can't do it physically anymore. So if he's going to go play somewhere else rather than finish in Pittsburgh, I don't, I don't, I don't see that happening. I guess I understand. It's more yeah. of like a team legacy bond. Right. Than right. Money. Yeah. Um, okay. So any more on the NHL or do you want to move into the NBA draft? Yeah, we can talk about the draft. Well, the only thing that I know about the draft is the top three guys. <laughs> so I'll just say that it didn't go in the order that I expected. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely thought that Jamari Smith was going to go first. He did not. He ended up going third, I believe. Um, Chet went second. Um, and Paolo, not Pablo, went first. Um, I think that there's a – I think that he has the largest, um, like, either he's going to break through the ceiling or he's mm-hmm. going to be the biggest bust. And I think like we had talked about before, it's going to come down to whether they figured out the, the health issues that he was having at the beginning of the season. I, I was looking back and his minutes were definitely like different than after that. Mm-hmm. Um, they definitely took a, a very hard look at, at him and his, and his play to see what was going to be best to make sure that he could even play the whole season. Because, I mean, if you're losing – I mean, they're playing, what, two games a week? Yeah. So if you're losing – fluctuating a total of 16 pounds in a week, that's just fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and he's going to be playing more than two games a week in the NBA. Yeah. Um, I th- I, and we touched on it last week. I feel like, like you said, with his minutes going up throughout the year, and it, the storyline just seemed to go away. Like, I think I heard it talked about, like, two more times after it was, it was a huge storyline at the beginning of the season. Um, so I think obviously they they figured something out or it, the situation is definitely better than it was. Um, so I think that's huge. And that's probably what teams looked at and went, you know what, like we, we saw what this kid can do. We're going to take the risk on him. And the, I, I agree with you. I think he has the biggest, I guess, gap between what he can do and what, you know, the worst case scenario the is middle. Right. Um, and so, I mean, it's, it's obviously up to him and his body and the team around him as to where he goes from there. Um, the only thing I want to say on, on the draft-wise is I think – I might have stated this last week that I thought he was going to be – I know beginning of the year I thought he was going to be a bust. I, I don't – I see him probably going more so towards that upside. I think the person out of this draft – and I, I haven't been able to stand him since I laid eyes on his big, goofy ass on TV for the first time. Is Chet Holgren. I can't fucking stand him. I think I think just wait. Yeah, just for personal spite, I think he's gonna be the biggest bust in this draft. I cannot stand anything about that dude. Um, and like it's it's one thing to be tall, lanky, and goofy as hell looking. Uh, just the absolute cockiness out of him that is completely under I don't think he was hot he shit did, at Gonzaga. He did say that he's the best player in the league yeah. before he was drafted into the league. Yeah, no. Um, I see five years he'll be out of the league. I'm calling it. I don't, I think he's completely washed. Uh, I don't like anything about him. He played at Gonzaga who literally never played anybody half the time. And when they did, he wasn't that great in my opinion. Um, obviously there was worse players, but um, I don't know. 
he might be serviceable, but I don't see him being, I don't know, in my mind, I compare him a lot to Dwight Howard. Like, that, I see them. Dwight Howard had a good good couple seasons. Yeah, as soon as, yeah, but I don't. I, I, I he's playing he's yeah. playing like bench player for the Lakers and whatnot. So I understand yeah. what you're saying that you see like five years where they're actually talking about him, right. and then after that he might still be in the league, but he's doing like league minimum deals or something like that, just traveling yeah. from different cities each year. Yeah, um, but I I don't see him as a number two to a role pick. Like in five years when you do the redraft, he might be down like bottom ten. Another five years after that, he might not even be in the top twenty. So I don't. I have zero faith in him, and I can't stand him, and my dog won't stop fucking barking. I don't care. <laughs> I didn't realize, because I didn't even notice anything on your face last week, but I had a dog barking in the background yeah. like for uh, 35 minutes when I was listening to it. Um, well, normally she just barks when like somebody's walking by, but I, mean, I don't know what is going on out there. She's standing in the front window. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, Somebody's trying sh- to get in. <laughs> somebody, um, somebody got hit by a car off front and, like it's just barking at it. i'm just sitting here recording a podcast do you have any more on uh the nba draft review or do you want to move into i feel like we're going to talk about golf the most here this week so that's that's been the trend the last couple weeks you talk a lot about yeah. golf uh no yeah just fuck, fuck chet holmgren uh we can talk about golf now <laughs> so uh we have the john deere classic this weekend mm-hmm. um your thoughts on the tournament and who your prediction is for the winner. Um, overall, this is probably one of my favorite tournaments to watch. Um, beautiful scenery, uh, but the, the field always just seems to be so diversified. And it's not because big names aren't playing it. Like, usually they have a decent amount of big names come play. Um, but to me, it always seems like John Deere is home of, like, the, the surprise winner. Like, this is where – or maybe not even a surprise winner, but just like first time winners. Like I know DeChambeau got his first win here. Um, and that's just been the, the overall like trend, I guess, is that um, this is just the place where guys have their first big breakthrough is what I'm trying to say. Um, but the course itself is beautiful and a lot of like nice scenery, very challenging, uh, long holes, short, like you, you, everything about your game gets tested here. Um, and it's a lot of fun to watch. As far as my pick, I don't know, man. I feel like that's that's hard. Um, so I feel like it's a little harder this week because, like you said, usually they do have a great variety of large mm-hmm. names, newcomers. This week, I feel like there's only – I mean, in terms of, like, big names, I, I feel like there's only, like, two or three big-name players. The rest of them are kind of, like, if we were playing at a major, these guys would be, like, middle-of-the-pack players. Yeah, uh, and back to Jordan Spieth got his first win here as well. Um, I've really liked how Adam Hadwin has played this year. Um, he's been close, I feel like, in a lot of tournaments, or at least kept his name up towards the top. Um, again, like we said, this is where a lot of guys have their big breakthroughs. I think he's due. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with Adam Hadwin this week. I like it. He took last week off after the U.S. Open. I think mm-hmm. he placed in, like, the top ten or something like that. So. Get a nice uh, relaxed week and kind of warm up for this tournament. Um, I think that, like you had said, that it's going to be beautiful views on the TV when we get to watch it this weekend. But I'm going to go with Sahith Tagala because I just think he had an amazing tournament last week. <laughs> um, the heartbreak of that lift out putt. Oh, my God. Right. 
And so I just think that he's he's trying to to be what's what's the award that they give to him for like top rookie or whatever. Top. This thing says Arnold Palmer Award, but I didn't know if that yeah, was that, the correct that, award. I'm not 100 percent um, sure either. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he's he's right there with the other two top rookies right now, and so I think that this would really help cement him as the top rookie of the year. Um, yeah. Also, talking about golf, Liv has their second golf event in Portland this weekend. Um, this weekend, they will have even more than they had last time, and and kind of some big names this time. You know, they're going to have Bryson DeChambeau. They're going to have. I don't know if Brooks is playing this weekend or not. I think um, he is. He was he was at the press conference, so I think he's fine. I know Patrick Reed and uh, Pat Perez were really throwing shade at the PGA. Pat and Perez, everything. yeah. Pat Perez. Who gives a fuck about what Pat Perez has to say? I've I seen him talking yeah, yeah. the most shit. You have done zero with your fucking career. You have no right to fucking talk. And I understand how he gets big contracts and stuff because he has like a million dollars worth of sneakers or something like that. They oh, did like a my cribs thing because he lives in Nevada wow. and he like has a million dollars worth of sneakers. That's ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah, it probably puts a million dollars a week into his fucking stomach. Um, I think that this could be a week that, um, if there was a week so far for yeah. Liv to be able to compete viewership wise with the PGA, I think this would be the week where Liv kind of try and make that step to getting up there. I don't think they're ever going to be at the PGA viewership numbers, yeah. but I think that they could really get a lot better viewership than they had last week, last tournament. Yeah. Just because of, like I said, you don't have the wow factor with like Rory, Jordan Speed, Justin Thomas, the big, big name players. I mean, I think Webb Simpson is probably the largest name playing yeah. this weekend at the John Deere Classic. Um, so what are your thoughts on the, the Portland? Portland? Um, I mean, and, and until Liv fixes this or changes this, it's going to be my biggest knock against him is they need to get this on TV if they want any chance of growing this. Just being on YouTube on, on a live stream or either YouTube, I don't know exactly how they're doing that, um, just isn't helping. And like you said, I, I feel like the names they brought in are going to help bring some more eyes over. Um, but I, they, they need somewhere for those eyes to go. I mean, I, I, they're not, I don't see them bringing in like the older crowd, like the, the stuck up PGA people. Oh, yeah. Not, not, not just because like they're PGA loyalists, but like they don't know how to fucking work YouTube. Like <laughs> for new wow factor, yeah. guys. Um, and and I, I get that. So I'm just, and um, I don't like the last few times we, we have talked about like a less, filled out field um you know on the pga side it always turns out being like one of the most ridiculous tournaments of the year like if you think back to the first rbc tournament down in um south carolina at hilton head spieth and cantley were like the only two people i think jt was in that one too those are the only people anybody was talking about yeah and i know dj played it but he didn't give a shit he Missed the cut, and he was just doing it because it was a sponsor. We talked about how he was yeah. uh, fueling the jet up on one Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's just, I don't know, like, every time, and not that people think it's going to be a boring tournament. Obviously, even if you take top names out, there's guys going to be competing for the win. And I feel like that's just, especially with it being a full four-day tournament. I, I So I think Liv finishes up on on Saturday, because I think it's just Thursday, Friday, Saturday, if, I, if I'm yeah um but i i think just uh, people are still trying to get used to the whole format of live and everything 
like I said, I think they're definitely going to get new eyes to it. And, you know, we'll, we'll see how that turns out. Um, you know, Sergio Perez came out and said he's already changing his team name and logo from the Fireballs to something. He hasn't announced what it is. Garcia. Um, yeah. Oh, I said, per- yeah, Garcia. <laughs> you just really hate Pat Perez. <laughs> yeah, I can't stand his ass. Um, yeah, yeah. He, went, he changed the Fireballs or whatever, yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, just – I. I, I would like to try and watch some this weekend. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, but I'm still laughing at the fact that, what was it last? Somebody was like a plus 20 and they still won $120,000. Plus 24. Yeah. Um, Eight over each day. <laughs> shit, shit, you want to see somebody really suck and, you know, get, give me $50,000. I'll go do it. Like, right, damn. Um, 10000 <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, not just, like, on YouTube or, you know, wherever – this is being broadcast. They need more eyes. They need more people to show up to the event. I mean, that was the biggest, like you looked at the comparison last time these two tours went head to head against each other. It was like 30 people. It looked like on the entire course, um, you know, for, for live golf, whereas, you know, whatever event it was for the PGA was like basically packed. Um, that was, but, that was in London though, right? The first yeah. one, so uh, this one being the United States, they might draw different crowds. Yeah, but I know like Perez was the or damn it, uh, Garcia the other day was when he was making his or he was doing an interview or whatever, and he, he had mentioned that yeah, I'm getting rid of the fireballs and whatever. He also said he's like, Hey, you know, we're still trying to like they have a code where you can give away tickets with this code, and they're still trying to do that and, and like get people to use that code. And I'm just that's like yeah, discounted tickets. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, go ahead. So I, I think that. They can't do like where it's random and everything like that. Like they need to take advantage of having both Brooks and Bryson in their in their comp- competitive league now, and they need to put them on opposite teams one week and the yeah. next week put them on the same team. Like they need to continue. Like they need to play the drama to their like to their advantage. They can't like. I will be really disappointed, and I think that. It, I will view it as like a loss for them if they don't at some point in the next couple of weeks during their events use that to their advantage. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm gonna butcher his name, but Michael Thorborn <laughs> is having an incredible debut stretch. What are your thoughts on on his play recently and just overall? Yeah, uh, yeah, back to back weeks. I think he's finishing the top five. At, I think he was the top five at the US Open. Um but he really flew under the radar there because everybody was so focused on that final battle between um, Fitzpatrick, uh, Scheffler, and Zalatoris. And everybody was just focused on, oh, you know, who's going to, like, is Scheffler going to get a second major? Who's going to win their first major? Um, and I, I feel like that helped him a lot in that tournament. And also, I mean, it didn't help or hurt that he was basically in his, his home territory. Um, but hey, you know, everybody just kind of thought, oh, you know, great, great showing. A week later, it shows up to the Travelers, and at the end of his round Saturday, I think he was only like three back of the lead. Obviously, uh, Shawflay you know ends up shooting a little bit better, uh, and goes on to win the the tournament eventually. But the fact I think he went into Sunday like six shots back of the lead, and was still somehow in the top five. Like that, that's just how dominant Shawflay's first three days were. Um, but and he's an amateur, by the way. Yeah. Uh, which is, I, 
I mean, I'm sure in his mind, he's like, I, I don't know why anybody's surprised, but like, it's just, as soon as you see that little amateur mark next to his name, it's like, oh shit. Um, but I don't, I don't think he's playing this weekend. I know he just played those two tournaments because they're basically like in his backyard uh, being from the Northeast. Um, but it <laughs> definitely has a bright, bright future ahead of him. Uh, so he was low amateur at the U S open. So I know he has like a five-year exemption now to that. Um, so obviously he has his career headed in the right direction. Um, it's up to him where he goes from there. Um, but just the way he's carried himself the last two weeks, I know I've been, and it's hard for me not to like people, you know, golf wise, uh, unless you're Daniel Berger or Pat Perez or Bryson DeChambeau, like just annoying douchebags. Um, but definitely I like, I'm easily becoming a fan of him. Like I did Zalad course. Uh, so I'm super excited to see where he goes. Um, and, you know, if he can, can if he keeps playing, it can, can, can continue this, this, this climb. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about Brooks and his, his, um, his statement saying that he made his decision to go to live after the U S mm-hmm. open. Um, I oh, kind of sure. want to skip past that because I think we both have the same viewpoint. Like you just yeah. said, I want to talk about how I think I'm not, I'm not saying here's what I said. I don't believe him that that first conversation happened on Monday or right. Sunday night. Because Monday morning, I literally woke up to the news that he scrubbed his his Twitter profile of any PGA mentions. I think if if anything, it probably happened while he was at the U.S. Open. That I, I would believe. But to say, oh, it didn't happen until you know Sunday night or Monday morning. Okay, was, and I think it happened before, yeah. just based on I, I, yeah. when they asked him about the Live Tour at yeah. Wednesday's press conference, and he was like, "I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to you're taken away from the yeah. U.S. Open." Like it was just very defensive. Um, it, oh, it was, right, it was he used the right words. Like, yeah. uh, that's what they're there for the U S open, but, it, it's, but he came off defensive that he wasn't willing to be like, look, yeah. I'm not going to live like whatever. It, it, what it I, was, wanted, I was just going to say, just like, you think back to all, like, not even when he talked about live, just any of his PGA tour interviews, it was a very different person. It looked like on this, this, the stage talking at his first live interview, like, I, I was a Brooks fan for the past couple of years. Like, you know, I, I watched him whenever he played and I, you know, I watch a lot of his interviews and stuff. And just when he was speaking, I believe it was Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday, he was speaking at the live, you know, um, press conference or whatever. Just, he looked like a completely different person. Like you said, he was on the defensive. Like, I don't, I don't feel like the, the questions he was being asked was really attacking him. It was just like asking, Hey, you know, when did this conversation start? It was like, well, uh, well, you know, it didn't happen until after the, just like a very different tone. And like I said, it almost looked like a completely different person up on that stage. Um, but it was weird. A lot of people were giving him flack because, or not necessarily him, but he was wearing a Nike hat in it. So everybody's like, well, I guess he still has that Nike sponsorship. And, you know, again, they brought it back to the deal. Yeah. They brought it back to the government stuff between the Saudi government and, you know, uh, Nike coming out saying they're, they're, know positive for you know all this other people and like trying to support people and stuff so that was interesting to watch like twitter have a nike, meltdown nike didn't get canceled when one of their top execs was like caught in a sting of um one of their top execs was letting their kid oh yeah, no, yeah. pre-release shoes and sell them for millions online like this yeah. kid was making like 20 million dollars a year selling nike shoes that he was buying for basically nothing off his mom's account yeah but um and they had problems with, like, the person that, like, the Nike Olympic running team. He had, like, some sort of, like, porn thing or molestation thing. I forget what his deal was, but he ended yeah. up losing his job. Anyway, 
Um, Phil Knight just puts money into everything, it seems like. <laughs> I don't even think it's him anymore. Like, I think he solely focuses on, like, the, the things that are close to, like, Oregon, Oregon. Sports uh, teams, yeah. Yeah, Stanford, stuff like that. I feel like, like, the golf stuff and, and everything outside of that, like, the other teams that they have contracts with, it's just their, their marketing and, and all that stuff. And Blazers, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, um, but like he he technically has like no control over that company anymore. Like he gave a, like he just gets a shit ton of money from them because he founded it, and that he gives the money to whoever he wants. But the, the company itself is, I feel like, just different. And I feel like he's honestly starting to try to distance himself a little bit from that. But ah, um, uh, so I feel like it. It seems as if every time we talk about the PGA, they're super hmm. on the like. Oh my God, we have to do all this stuff. Like we have to try and compete. Like this, this shouldn't even be a competition. Mm-hmm. They are making it seem as if it's a competition with Live. Yeah. Like it, it almost makes me think that the PGA Tour sponsors came to them and were like, "Hey, look, if this ends up blowing up, like we're fucking leaving you." Yeah. Like it. it that that's the only reason I can see is them the reason for them being scared about this, because I mean, like we said. Bryson made a comment about how Tiger Woods' Hero World Challenge counts for uh, the uh, world rankings. It, you get points for playing in that tournament, but mm-hmm. that playing on the Live Tour tournament, you don't get points. And someone's like, that's because you don't play fucking a full round. Yeah, You play 54 holds. So there's a reason why it doesn't sit into the same category. Mm-hmm. And so I think that like there's just a lot of things that make it completely different that it, the PGA is like shooting themselves in the foot week on and yeah. week off. And so I just feel like at some point, somewhere sponsorship wise, because that's the only way that it would make them scared is if their pockets are about to hurt. Yeah. And, and like I said this last week, when the PGA came out and announced like all the changes are making, they're making good changes. And I, yeah, they got like 30 a year now, 30 yeah. new people are going to get a PGA tour card. Yeah. Here. And so like, that's what a lot of people wanted to come out of this whole live versus PGA is like, Hey, there's things that the PGA could do better. And hopefully they, they see what they're doing and learn. But like I said, last week, they need to stop acknowledging that live exists. They need to just focus on themselves. If guys want to leave, Hey, you're leaving, you lose your tour card. You have to come back and earn that card. Like outside of the majors and stuff that you're exempted from, if you won, whatever, like if you want to come back to the PGA, the only way you can do it is re-earn your, your card. Like you have to go through either the corn Ferry tour, go to the European, However, they want to do that, but BP. yeah, um, if you want to send a guy back to Q school, fine, I don't care. But at the end of the day, like I said last week, and this is this will be forever my stance on this is stop acknowledging that live golf exists. Your your golfers don't need to have every single interview, and I, I understand a lot of them don't want to talk about it anymore. But like, especially like you saw at the U.S. Open when they asked everybody nonstop, "What do you think about live?" and it's like, listen. We don't want to talk about this. I think the only one that enjoys talking about it anymore is Rory, and he just likes throwing shit. But like I said last week, PGA, Rory, the golfers, just live golf doesn't exist. If you want to leave, go leave. If you want to come back, you got to re-earn your card or whatever. But like I agree with you. Just stop acknowledging it. If you see something they're doing that you like, steal it. I don't care. But at the end of the day, you need to stop. Every press conference doesn't need to be about live. Every it's I, I'm I, I'm in the same boat as you. I'm just I'm, I'm getting a little tired of it, but it's just like just be the bigger person, grow up and move on. Right. Like I the, the PJ tour is never gonna go away fully. Like unless you completely fuck this up, which the only way to fuck that up is if you just keep 
acknowledging it and every commissioner single... constantly talking about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. that's yeah. Uh, so last week we had our picks for Nashville. Um, you picked Daniel Suarez. I picked Kyle Larson. Neither got the job done. Um, that was a complete shit about, show of a race. We, we had both joked about, I had said that I didn't want to pick Chase Elliott cause I wanted him to win. You said you were going to pick Chase Elliott. So he didn't win. Somehow he got the job done in a marathon of a race is what they've been labeling it because of the thunderstorms and lightning, mm-hmm. the multiple breaks. Um, we had that last week. We have Road America this week. What do you think about this past week, NASCAR, and looking forward? What's your pick for this episode? Yeah. Um, overall, I I thought I, I like that we're back at Nashville. I think that track is good. I know a lot of people want to see them move to the fairgrounds, and we'll see if that happens. But for the time being, they're they're now close. I know it's not technically in Nashville, but they're a lot closer to the city that hosts their their championship ceremonies and all that stuff. Um, and that's a huge market for them. And overall, the racing has been really, really good there. Um, so I'm, I'm glad to see it. I know for years when it was gone off the truck and Xfinity schedule, I didn't like that. I liked when they raced there, and now I'm glad Cup is there too. Um, the, and I, I know a lot of people online share the same sentiment. Anytime it's going to be a Sunday day race, you need to throw the green flag at noon local time. I, I do not understand why we need to – throw a green flag at five o'clock on a Sunday evening. Like in, in what world did five o'clock make sense to you? I think they do that because of golf now with NBC. No, fucking suck my dick. Get over but, it. That's, but earlier in the yeah. season, like they could have, they could be definitely doing that at noon, the entire, yeah. like entirety that, up to this point. Yeah. Yeah. The Nat, NASCAR, IndyCar, both of those leagues, especially. I, I think if you're going to have a Sunday day race, it needs to be a noon green flag, noon local time. And obviously, yeah. I understand why they don't throw a green flag, you know, noon Eastern time for a West Coast race. You're not going to have anybody show up to that. Um, but I, I 100% think you should have a noon local time green flag. That's my biggest thing. I also think after watching the race Sunday night, Nashville should be a Saturday night race. Even whether they move it to the fairgrounds or whatever happens with that, that track looks really good under the lights. And two, I just enjoy Saturday night races. And I don't want every race to become a Saturday night race, but it's just like I back, back to the five o'clock start time. It's just, I was just so weird to me. Like, I don't know. I really would have rather seen that be a Saturday night race than a Sunday evening race. Um, right. Other than that, like you, outside of the rain and everything, I feel like overall the racing was really good. Uh, a lot of interesting storylines. We had Blaney spin from 20th with like 100 laps to go. And next thing you know, he's in third. I think he finished mm-hmm. fifth. Um, so, and then you had Bubba Wallace, who cussed out his team over the radio. And he's then silent talk. Yeah. <laughs> and then went a lot down. Everything comes back. He finished 12th. Um, rough day for Hendrick Motorsports outside of Chase winning. Um, but overall, just a really great race. I wasn't able to stay up to watch the end of it. I, I struggled to stay awake to finish game six of the, of the Stanley Cup finals. Um, but I guess I would like to see a couple of scheduled tweaks there, like I said, with the time. Looking ahead to Road America this week, I am really excited. Uh, last year when they had this at Road America on 4th of July, I thought it was a smash hit. I thought it was one of the best races of the year. Um, I love that track on the IndyCar schedule. I was really glad to see, excuse me, NASCAR go there. The Cup Series, I know, I'm pretty sure Xfinity and Trucks have raced there the years prior, but um, nonetheless, I thought it was a great race last year. I think it's going to be 
all every road course race so far this year has been a, an amazing race. Um, and so I, I think it's going to be more of the same there. And I hope it's enough for NASCAR to look at that and go, shit, maybe we shouldn't leave this track. Um, Cause I, I, like I said, I'd like it on the, on the schedule. Um, if you want to move it from 4th of July, fine. If you're going to do that though, you got to put Daytona back. Those, those are my two options. I think I said that last week, um, but I don't want to see this track on off the schedule. I'm anticipating a, a really good race. Um, and I, I hope it's enough for NASCAR to, to sit down and go, we can't take this off the schedule. Maybe take the, honestly, maybe take the Roval off. I know the Roval has been a huge hit, but it, if a track needs to go for you to put this stupid Chicago street course in, um, I don't want to see the Roval leave, but I'm just saying maybe that's your best option. I think the Roval is last to leave because it's actually well, I, I so agree. much more cost efficient for NASCAR yeah. themselves. Yeah. I, I, but, well, but I understand what you're yeah. saying in terms of the road courses. That's the newest one. So, yeah. And I just, like I said, if I'm keeping Road America on the schedule, I just don't know which other road course I'm taking off unless you go Watkins Glen. But I really enjoy Watkins Glen. Um, I think that's every year that's been a great race. Um, you can argue Sonoma, but this year proved why I, I don't think NASCAR is leaving. But I don't. We'll, we'll have to see what happens with the schedule. Um, as for my winner, I want Chase Elliott. I don't know. He he's really good on road courses. Is did, did he or, in general are? Yeah. Did he or Larson win here last year? Oh, I, I can't remember who won at Road America last year. But anyway, Elliott's good there. Obviously, he has found something. I don't know if it was just luck this past week. But I feel like his season has been trending upwards here lately. Uh, so who knows? Maybe it's time for him to get on a little bit of a hot streak here. Um, so sorry for you, uh, you Slade, but uh, I'm going to take Elliot. Uh, I'm going to kind of go and say that last week, this past weekend's race was just uh, – it was amazing. It was, it was really nice to see. Um, it's understandable that they have to take a 30-minute break after they see lightning, but yeah. – it was just difficult because at some points it wasn't even raining. It was just they would see lightning, and if it's within a certain distance of the track, they have to stop for 30 minutes. Um, I, I definitely think that it would have better served as a Saturday night race or, like you said, a Sunday lunchtime race, um, afternoon race. Uh, but, yeah, it was it was really nice to see. Um, very disappointed for Bubba Wallace. Dude gets so much fucking hate. Um mm-hmm. And I was really excited to see that Kurt Busch came out and supported his teammate today or yesterday. I forget which one it was. Um, so basically, Bubba Wallace has been having really great runs, and his his pit road, whether he gets caught speeding towards the end of the season a couple of times or now, they've just been fucking it up on pit road. Um, he has just really like missed out on a lot of great finishes for himself that we see Kurt Busch getting um, because of his, his crew members. And I didn't realize until yesterday when Kurt Busch had come out and said, but because they are an affiliate of Joe Gibbs, Joe Gibbs picks his crew members every week. So they have the, the they have all their crew members in a pool, yeah. and they feed them out to the teams. And so basically because <laughs> Kurt Busch and Bubba Wallace are a part of the, the sister company, you know, yeah, they're already not getting the top guys, and then Bubba Wallace's team is basically not being provided with adequate with adequate guys. And uh, so I originally was like, 
last week I had said, like, dude, get somebody that can change a fucking tire for Kyle Larson's team when he lost the fucking tire. Um, I, I think that I didn't realize that, like, with them being a sister program, that, like, they don't even get to pick their crew members, yeah. basically. Um, yeah. what, what I would like to see, and I, I doubt they'll do this, but, like, say this weekend when they go to the track, like, if, if that, like, obviously we don't know the 100% if what Kurt Busch is saying is, and it would make more sense because, like, obviously, one, Michael, I don't know what the, like, the operations manager is at uh, 2311 Racing. Um, but I, I don't think if Gibbs does have control of that, he would obviously let Denny pick crew members for, you know, a, a rival team to, right. know, to, to say. Um, and I no disrespect to Michael Jordan, but I don't think he knows enough about racing to be like, hey, th- these are the pit guys I want. Um, so like if it, if it is Gibbs or his operations manager or the 2311 operations manager or whatever, pick your guys. And I don't know if they, they pick new ones every week or if, you know, they pick them at the beginning of the season. When you show up to the track Saturday or Friday, whenever the Cup Series is showing up for this race, fucking switch the teams. Like I would, yeah, so I would honestly like, just, just see, and like you said, like Bubba has caught a lot of tough breaks. And like, I think he does get undeserved. Pay. I don't think he's the second coming of Jesus that some people make him out to be. But I think oh, he no, is. No, 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 yeah. I think he is a really good driver who has been shafted a lot by sometimes himself, but sometimes either stuff he just can't control, whether it be pit crew, other drivers, whatever. Um, but I would, or maybe not this weekend, but next oval race, switch the teams and say, okay, hey, here's your chance. Put up a shut up, okay? And you know we're gonna. And, and it could be this weekend because if they get a green flag pit stop, that's make or break. Yeah, absolutely. But um. Uh. Yeah. But yeah, Kurt Busch basically said they show up to the racetrack and the teams are given to them and mm-hmm. that uh, it's a Joe Gibbs distribution problem that has been happening to Bubba Wallace these past couple of weeks when it's not driver error. He didn't mm-hmm. say that the pit crew has been fucking it up every week. He just said that um, in the past couple of instances that the pit road uh, team has been the at-fault part of, of the operation there that he believes that the Joe Gibbs distribution problem because that they're just distributing the teams to them each week um it's really unfortunate to see for Bubba especially because he is in his second year at 2311 Mm -hmm. so he probably has next year left on his contract before he goes to sign new contracts especially with the sponsorships so if he continues to have these problems he's gonna miss out on a lot of money because of this um so it would be really, really uh, beneficial for him and just for 2311 in general to, to get this fixed because, I mean, they would have both their drivers finishing in the top 15 every week if it wasn't. Yeah. And, and like you said, Bubba Wallace fought back. He got into 12. Um, a lot of people right now online, it seems like, are calling him a crybaby and that, like, whatever the deal is because he went almost, like, 70 laps without talking to his team on, on the radio. They continued but, to and, talk to him, yeah. and he just didn't respond. After yeah. he told them to not fucking talk to him the rest of the yeah. week. Well, here's the thing too. It's like obviously what he did was probably a little extreme. You could child childish, whatever. But but it's been building up. Well, that. But he's also not the first person to do that. Like other people right, have right, gone right. back. Al and Bush found, does it every other week. Yeah. Well, Junior did it one time. But as soon as somebody like screenshotted, like I think Junior went like 50 laps at Atlanta and just told his team not to like. Just, he unhooked his his radio. Like he just pulled yeah. the cord out of his helmet. And just ran the, the the rest of the race, but as soon as somebody pointed that out, like everybody just stopped talking about it. It, it kind of seemed like, but of course, yeah. But like, think, like the more I think about, it, I don't know how.
how much validity there is, like especially a team as prominent as 2311. Because like if you look at Sword Haas, I'm pretty sure they have the same pick for every week. Because like once you get hired by a team, you you work for that team. Because like I mean, you you watch uh, like I follow Sword Haas on Instagram, Twitter, everything. They're always posting like his top training videos and stuff. And so I don't know how much you you can switch from like have a owner like obviously hey if the chat if this jackman's not performing let's let's either get a new one or, right. or swap him to another team whatever especially if we have a guy like going for the championship um but i yeah i just yeah yeah i just i don't know about like every week getting a new team because i feel like if that's what they're doing i that's probably the biggest problem is that you're going right. out and getting a new pick crew every week is then they're they're not they're not in sync they have zero you know and if I had to guess, in if that's the, the thing, I would think that somewhere, because we've heard it multiple times in Kyle Bush's contract, he gets to choose his team mm-hmm. because he will literally have his team do the Xfinity series the night before, even if he's not racing, yeah. so that they're going through the mechanics, so that they're not fucking up on Sunday. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I think that, like you said, that if, if that's the case, that, that – Maybe they're not all doing that. Maybe Kyle Busch is the only one that's choosing his team and the others are just having them distributed, whatever the deal is. Mm-hmm. I think, like you said, that maybe Denny Hamlin's not able to say that because he's then distributing guys to a team that he's not racing for. But right. Michael Jordan or whoever their their production manager, whoever the deal is, needs to step up and be like, hey, look, like this is what needs to happen. Past couple of weeks, we've lost out on a lot of points. And the crazy thing about Chase Elliott winning this past weekend is it's his second win of the season. Mm-hmm. but He's been like under the radar, just destroying it in the points this year. Yeah, and and uh, Alan Gustafson, his crew chief, said it best. He's like, "Look, had, had we not won uh, these two races, he's like, other people might have won. We might not make the <laughs> we might not make the playoffs and be number one in points." Yeah, that's like I'm I'm personally nervous for Harvick because like he's having a pretty decent points here, but unless right. he wins the damn race, I. He's not going to make it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just the way the season's gone. I think we need, I I think it's like, we need four more four. winners. Yeah. yeah. Four. Like I know it last year, it got really close. I, I know they ended with two, two open spots. Right. Like right, right. it was towards the end of the year when we finally got like different winners or end of the regular Which is season. just crazy too, because Larson won like 11 races, including yeah. the, the uh, all-star race. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's just, like last year, like Larson dominated a lot, but it took a while for those win spots oh, yeah. to get filled up. And now this year, we're—I think we still have like six races till the playoffs start, and we have four spots left. And it's like, what yeah. the fuck? But yeah, that's just so. Like, it's there's a lot of good teams out there that are sweating it right now. Like Truex. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Truex didn't win yet. Um, Harvick, um, Reddick. You know, there's a lot of really good drivers out there that are sweating not making the playoffs because they for whatever reason just can't seem to put a win together but right my pick for this week you just mentioned him i would love to pick martin Drex jr Mm -hmm. but for some reason the toyotas just have not been able to get it together on the road course races that i've watched so far it's like i mean you think that i'm sorry just real just back to this past week they dominated the first half of that race like hamlin was whooping everybody but he said like i know it it was a first red flag break he's like you know, like, yeah, we have a really good car, but my teammates who had to start in the back for whatever reason are fucking coming. And like yeah. that, they were going to, and next thing you know, like 20 laps later, it was like all Toyotas in, in the top 10. Yep. I think the only non-Toyota was Harvick. 
and it was like that for like 20 laps and then you know obviously throughout the race but yeah i think i think yeah i think that's been their their mo this this whole season is they'll dominate parts of a race but then out of note they just fall off and yeah yeah it's almost like they have a good starting uh spot for uh for their tunes and stuff like that for their setups And then, for some reason, they're just not able to plan better for the for the end of the race. Yeah. Um, I mean, probably the, their biggest problem this week was going from an afternoon evening race to a completely dark night. Oh, race. for sure. Yeah, and I understand that caught a lot of yeah, 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 that caught a lot of people out, and the rain washing all the rubber off. You know, obviously, it fucked up their setup, and I get that. But it outside of this week, it, it's not like this weekend was a freak incident where you could look at it and go, "Hey, you know, the Toyotas fell off because of reasons X, Y, Z." It was. It's happened multiple times this year, and it'll be interesting to see if they're able to fix that going forward. Now, granted, there's been plenty of races where they weren't dominant at all, and then Hamlin or whoever comes out of nowhere to win the damn thing. But yeah, so I think my pick for this week is going to be Ross Chastain. Okay, I would love to pick Daniel Suarez, but I think that I think it would be hard for him to do so good at two road courses so close to one another mm-hmm. and i think that ross chastain has just been really solid at, at just about every track this year i think the chevys have just shown that somehow when when you put a lot of turns and straightaways in it they're able to really compete mm-hmm. um so yeah i'm going with ross chastain for my winner um, and then just the last thing i want to say like on, on nascar is so nbc took over this week mm-hmm. and it was a night and day difference between NBC's broadcast to Fox's like NBC was a lot more serious and like I for once somebody finally like explained like why just having one lug nut isn't easier than five and like all this other stuff and you know why so many teams are having issues with wheels falling off whatever it may be whereas Fox was just like talking about well how many pies can Michael Walter beat in like 30 seconds or whatever well they have wall trip and yeah and and, and, yeah well and like i don't hate having like a little like comedy to it but like at some point you need to address serious things about the sport and and help educate people and like larry mack used to do that every week he used to teach you something different about the car and like they've reduced his role so much is like you see him like oh yeah they they just ask him like how many more laps can they go and he's like yeah he does trends and and they're like all he does (laughs) yeah uh, um, one thing that couldn't have happened at a better time was the shift to NBC. Because did you see Clint Boyer got in an accident and killed a lady? I did see that. Yeah, that's really but unfortunate. That, it, I, yeah, I don't think obviously he, he wasn't intoxicated. It wasn't his fault. No, they've I think, already ruled that it was an accident. Um, but I think it yeah, came it's just out crazy that, to think. That and I don't want to. It happened the Bill. week before yeah. his last week, so he just missed his last week of broadcasting, and then it yeah. goes on to NBC. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Do you think that this is Road America's last race for a while that we get to see? Unfortunately, like I, like I said, I don't want it to be. I want I want Road America to stay on the schedule, um, but I, I I think NASCAR is too dumb for their own good at times, and they're gonna say. I, I think, like you said, it's it's just hard to pick another race to take out. Yeah. I think it would be super cool. I love the idea of them doing a street race, kind of trying to compete with the other series that do this. Mm-hmm. But like you said, I mean, I, I, you have to I try think, and figure out a race to yeah. take away. I didn't like that they moved away from Chicagoland to start with, the, the, mm-hmm. the Oval. Um, but I understand that they feel like that's a big market for them. And they're like, well, Road America is close. So everybody who wants to see a race in Chicago is going to drive from Chicago to there. 
it's like, well, why don't, why don't we just take it to Chicago? And it's probably true, but a lot of those people that go to Road America are the people that don't want to drive to Chicago and deal with all the shit in Chicago just to see a NASCAR race. And I, I, I just, I don't see Chicago as a city that NASCAR needs to, to worry about. Like, I feel like they're close enough with Road America that you can consider that part of the market. I, I just think moving a race to downtown Chicago is just going to be a mistake. I think that they view it as a way to get different eyeballs that they weren't going to see at Road America. Right. I mean, if you think about it just from the tracks we've gone to, everyone that's going there is someone that's going to be drinking beer, doing stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, at a Chicago street race, there's the possibility of someone to be able to sit at a rooftop bar, drink in some sort of mixed drinks, and watch the race the cars go right by them down center street you know yeah um i i do find it disappointing that we're gonna lose possibly road america which i think is probably what they're gonna come out with i think and i think that it's probably already been decided upon but i think that it'll be like within this next week after this race they're gonna come out and be like hey so yeah we are not re-signing road america um, but yeah so, something that I think the three of us, Nick included here, um, are super excited about is college football coming up. Um, I think that it's going to be so exciting. We could do drunk Twitch uh, streams of the three of us, like, basically like this with the three of us drinking, talking about the game and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. We're going to have a lot of um, bets and stuff like that that we're able to do. Just a lot of different things. We can do our top fives for the week of who we think we're going to win or who has the most, uh, the best chance of moving up in the rankings once we get to that part of the season. It's going to be really exciting. What are your thoughts on that coming up here in just under a month for us to be able to start doing some podcasts on that? Yeah. Uh, no, I think, and you said it before, college football is the one, not, not necessarily sport, but like division of a sport that all three of us religiously watch and, and love, honestly. Um, so I feel like it's going to bring another element to the show itself, but uh, like you said, we're going to be able to have a lot more fun with things. Like we have already talked about going to multiple games together this year. Um, so I'm just excited in general for it to be back. I've seen a lot of other people already talking about on their shows and whatever. Um, but I, I am, I'm ready for, for, for college football. Do you think that we end up moving it up? Because we're too anxious. Probably. So I can, I can spend two weeks talking about how shitty Sean Clifford is if, if that's what you know Nick wants to do. Yeah, um, I, I, he's not my uh, cup of tea. Um, do you have anything more on NHL, NBA, golf, NASCAR, college football coming up before we move into the top five of the week? No, like I, I, I it sucks now that hockey is over and you know NBA. Like there's Nick said it in our group chat the other week. Like he doesn't watch baseball. I. I don't religiously follow it, but I definitely will watch it. But it's like, you, you get, like, I get home from work now. It's like, shit, I don't, what am I going to watch tonight? Like, I have nothing to, like, look forward to. So that's what sucks. Right. But like I said, we have three weeks, and then we're going to start talking about college football. And I've already started, like, a, a huge pile of research <laughs> for, the, for the college football. Yeah, and like you said, like, with baseball, it's exciting sometimes, and then sometimes they go nine innings without any runs, and then someone scores off a base hit in the bottom of the ninth, and that's the game, and it's like, wow, I just fucking wasted four hours. Yeah. Um, something cool to see, though, was the Yankees almost got back-to-back no-hitters thrown against them the other night. And they ended up winning that yeah. second game, but, <laughs> no, yeah, but it was, was almost so. crazy thing to happen. 
and they had only been no hit by the Astros, I think. Three, it was two like times ni- before that. I think yeah. it was 1993 they got no hit by the Astros. It's yeah. it has been like a long time, but like yeah, yeah. But uh, thank God. I don't think I I could be like I can't stand Astro fans and the team itself. But like if they would have yeah. no hit us two days in a row, oh my God. It's, I just find it so fucking hilarious that like, yeah, they got the no hitter, but the second they're like, I think they were two innings away from no hitter, and then yeah, thing yeah it was lost. it was top of the seventh or no wait. It was like mid seventh or whatever, yeah. and they were like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> like, and then another cool thing that happened was uh, there was a better that had like a seven parlay in for different various players hitting a home run, and Aaron Judge was one of them. Oh, and he was the last guy. leg. He was the last leg. Yeah, and that. That uh, guy. Aaron Judge, it came out he's not in the starting lineup. So they're like, if he doesn't start, it gets voided. The guy just wins a little less money. Yeah. Um. Aaron Judge pinch hits in the ninth inning <laughs> and then hit a fucking hit some home run. No, he he flew oh, out. No, he a, yeah, he, yeah, flew yeah out. he flew out. Sorry, sorry, sorry. The guy caught on the warning track, but I was like, if yeah, I'm yeah, that yeah, guy, yeah. I am sick to my stomach. Oh my god! I yeah, he lost head. like what seven? He he lost out on the opportunity like seventy grand or something like that. Yeah. So it was like a twelve dollar bet for the possibility of seventy grand. But yeah, um, definitely should have cashed. Yeah. <laughs> um. So moving into our top five of the week this week. George's week to choose. He chose worst sports analyst. Originally, we we're going to go with TikTok, but I don't really know the TikTok people. So aside from one of George's, which I agree with him. Uh, so do you want me to go first or you want to go first since you're going to probably have a better explanation of yours here, George? Yeah, you, you can go ahead. You go first. All right. So on my top five of the worst sports analyst, number five is Charles Barkley. I just don't like the guy. I think that he continually talks out of his ass, and he's just kind of there for them to continue to like banter back and forth between him and Shaq. I think that yeah. Shaq's definitely the better of the two analysts. Um, I also don't like that he picks a lot of fights with the current players. I mean, I just think it's dumb in general for any of the players, current or past, to be like, oh, I would have kicked the shit out of them in basketball. You know, it's yeah. like you guys are playing two different forms of the game. Yeah. You couldn't touch a person at one point in basketball, and now people barely get wind-blown on them, and they're, like, throwing themselves halfway across the court, flopping. Um, Number four, I've skipped Bayless. Dude's just a dick. He just continues to talk and talk and talk, and I feel like him and uh, who's he with? Shannon Sharp? Yeah. I feel like just constantly, it's almost like the the Max Kellerman, Stephen A, like, thing like mm-hmm. one of like Stephen a just kind of made max kellerman like ease words constantly like max kellerman would say something and he'd be like i swear by this i swear by this and then the next week they'd look at him and be like you still swear by that i feel like it's the same thing shannon sharps just constantly being like skip you said this last week like yeah you fucked up and uh so number three i have max kellerman ever since he uh denied farting on air i'm like dude the whole world heard you. <laughs> Um, number two is Jalen rose i think he only has a job because his wife also works for espn molly corm uh number one Stephen a smith i thought they got a divorce uh they might be they might be in the process or or they might have but uh when he when they started both doing that stuff uh she was on the first take and then he was kind of an analyst but he Mm -hmm. has the uh the one podcast i forget who that guy is but and then he also does like guest appearances with uh, First Take, Get Up, all the different yeah. podcasts. Um, so, who are your top five worst sports analysts? Uh, so my top five, 
Number five is from TikTok. Uh, I've hated this dude for he was, I think he was honestly one of the first people I ever blocked on. And it's not because like we like got into it or anything. It's just I've never seen somebody be so fucking wrong all the time. And then, like we're silent not, about this. I, oh my god, I can't. And then the, like you, so you started sending us his videos, but I like I can't see them because I, <laughs> I know. But uh, I I hate when betting people, especially on TikTok, like make up these like because his go to, and it was like every day he was like, oh, you know, I, my landlord needs his rent. Like, oh, I don't have the money, so I'm gonna put you know a thousand dollars on this. And like I get that it it's a joke, and but I I. Just, it got so annoying and he was literally wrong every single time. And at some point I'm like, all right, buddy, either you don't have an apartment anymore. Or you just need to find a different like stick here. But that was my biggest well, thing on him. Do you know that it's come out that he is uh, like, he represents a, an app called book it sports. Yeah. That's why his name is book it with Trent. Yeah. They say that they think that he, cause he's, he started popping up again, but it's in like sway. ads. Yeah. yeah but it's in like ads. He, they think yeah. that he's like sways the public opinion so that like the book makes money basically. Yeah. Well that, and he's now become this, he is really the reason that like, this, well that, but like he really started pushing the, the nerf, the nerfy or whatever you want to call it oh, yeah, runs yeah, in the yeah. first inning. And when we were doing our best here for a while and Nick's, who knows nothing oh about baseball? God. It's like oh my no runs for I'm like fucking stop. That is the biggest <laughs> bullshit ever. Like don't ever why why that has become a betting like staple. I don't understand. But he was like the bigger reason be, behind why everybody really started doing that. So that's another reason I can't stand book it with Trent. Um, number four, any creator on TikTok that does MLB the show. I stopped playing that game because of like. One, the game itself is just like stupid at times. And I, I, Madden is the same way. I stopped playing Madden, but the creators on there are so, and it, it perfectly represents the online community for the MLB, the show. Like, if you think Call of Duty is toxic, like it's one thing that you can yell at another like teammate or somebody on the other team at, at points in the game. Like, the shit people do to each other in MLB, the show online is just so petty and childish. I can't stand it. And then these people are like posting these videos all the time, and it's just, Everybody I've ever seen post an MLB the show TikTok video of like you know their Diamond Dynasty or whatever, I absolutely can't stand them. I've honestly started blocking like every time I see a video because I can't stand the people that do it, and I'm tired of seeing MLB the show videos. So I I've literally just started blocking people. And now there's this one chubby douche that he was doing MLB the show videos. He still does, but now he's like trying to like talk like actual baseball, and he just sounds. Like he swallowed a bag of coins before he tried to talk, and he just—I can't stand his shit either. <laughs> what does uh, that sound like? I don't know. He I, swallowed a bag of I coins. Was gonna, I was gonna say. I was yeah, gonna I say. You're gonna say. I was like, oh, I gotta. I'm gonna try and be a little nice. Him yeah. a chubby douche. You, you hold back on the last punchline. <laughs> anyway, uh, number three, I have Stephen A. Smith. Um. My last three here are from daytime talk show. I don't hate people that just talk sports and they made a job out of it. That's fine. I can't stand like first take. Um, I don't even know what the, the Skip Bayless show is called. Undisputed, I think. I can't stand those, those kinds of shows because I know 98% of the time 
whoever's taking one of the viewpoints doesn't agree with that viewpoint. And it's, it's right. purely, they're, they're going at it for, for TV ratings. Right. I have never enjoyed watching any of those shows. I can't stand like, as soon as like, I see the intro for first, uh, yeah. First take, come on. I immediately change the channel. It has gotten a lot better now. And like the, this past spring was huge when JJ Reddick joined first take because he was, he would sit there and listen to Stephen A do his super stupid, smart IQ. Yeah, somebody that's like actually informed about the game and knows what's going on and just sits there and just I can't stand people that just spread stupid bullshit for views. And like I have never ag- agreed with that show. I can't stand it. I'm really hoping that the, this new influx of personalities on ESPN help kind of change that direction. The only one I don't like is Kendrick Perkins. I've never even when he played, I didn't like I him. I couldn't think of his name. Yeah. Uh, I just don't enjoy I think he's a little too stuck up for how stupid he is at times. But I, at the same time, like I said, I understand he's trying to play up like a personality and stuff. But I think when, when J.J. Reddick came in and kind of just like, listen, I'm not doing like the status quo bullshit. Like, I'm, I'm going to sit here. If you say something I agree with, I will 100% agree with you. But if you sit here and just say, like, I don't think Draymond Green is a top five player you know on on the warriors in in their history jay's like in, in what fucking world but and i think now that kendrick has seen that happen he's like oh okay like i if he can challenge a status quo and be fine like listen that's that's what i and he is i've seen a few of his videos he is slow to get him better it's still not somebody i enjoy but i didn't put him on my top five uh so number three is Stephen a number two is max kellerman he's an excellent boxing announcer he should have never left boxing and he should only do boxing announcing. That's it. He is not a good sports personality. I like you, you pointed out when he farted on air, I always laugh back at when he, uh, it was a warrior's final the one year. And they were like, he was like, death, death being pointed earth. I want Eagle dollar. Like just again, oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, understand like, uh, last second shot game on the line. Yeah. Who do you pick? And they're like, Steph. And yeah. he's like, no, I take Iguodala. <laughs> and again, I understand it was probably somebody saying, okay, you need to say this so we can get views, whatever. It, I, I can't stand him. I, I don't think he's even like on any show now at all. Oh, he uh, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. It's him. Uh... I know he has his own like ESPN show on like, I know he has like a radio show that they also show on air, but I didn't know if he was on like a morning debate show or whatever. Yeah, it's called like, kpm or something like that it's okay. free it's it's uh but it's it's like you said it's more of like a for podcast with like mm-hmm. live view yeah yeah uh and my number one is skip skip bayless uh he is the most worthless person i've ever seen try and discuss sports in my life uh, i absolutely can't stand him i think i could get a mop to stand up and talk more sense than he has ever made in his life and listen i understand that he's a cowboys fan I'll put air quotes around that because I don't think he is. But at some point, it. But I mean, he does perfectly sum up modern day Cowboys fans. I don't know. At the end of the day, I he is at the second I see him pop up on my my for you page on TikTok or whatever, or I see him on TV, I change the channel. I if I hear one word of his out of his mouth, I I lose brain. the two brain cells I have left are starting to crumble away the second I I hear his voice. Um, so that's my top five. I like it. Um, I wish Nick was here because he would have loved seeing me get heated about that guy eating a bag of dicks and then trying to talk. <laughs> um, 
yeah, so do you have any more on on anything you want to talk about this week? Anything you're looking forward to next week? Anything? Um, you have a going golf to, round to go to after this. So yeah, I'm playing nice. golf today, so uh, keep keep getting that score lower. That's my goal. Uh, I've never even seen this course before, so I have low expectations for my round. Um, is it a is it a nice course or is it more of a course that like you can go and get in and play like weekly? Uh, if I like, you know, so in like, terms of like play, yeah. No, uh, they had a lot of tee times open during the week, but I think their weekends are like pretty booked up. And I I think this course, if I'm if I'm not wrong, it might be a different one. But so this is in Cabarrus County, which is basically Me- Mecklenburg's brother or neighbor. I don't know why I said brother. Um, but. And I think it was this one. They have a deal where if you're a county resident, like you get, I think like $10 off a round, um, wow. which is cool. Um, it's, it's really nice to see like a golf course do that, trying to incentivize people to like, Hey, you know, come play golf, come get out and stuff. Like I said, I don't know if either they're not doing that or maybe it was a different course. Um, but I do remember seeing that somewhere, but that's still very cool. Uh, it's going to be very, I'm, I'm hoping one of the whole, cause like I told you earlier, their property butts up against, the Charlotte Motor Speedway's whole, you know, property. And it's more on the drag strip side. Like, it won't go up to the racetrack. But um, be interested to see if they have, like, any, like, parts of the fairway where you can look over and see that. And, you know, that, that'd that be cool. Uh, but I'm excited for that. Uh, Hannah's dad, we're going up there for 4th of July. He told me to bring in my golf clubs. So might get out two times this week. We'll have to see. Damn. Uh, yeah. Uh, so you're definitely going to try and put a ball over – the fence oh yeah absolutely go looking for it next year to race right yeah yeah, yeah or this year at the roval whatever the deal is <laughs> um yeah so it's a good podcast yeah well thank you guys as always for, oh I'm, I'm sorry yeah i didn't ask you are you looking forward to anything this weekend slade no i work like 70 hours <laughs> <laughs> well on that note thank you guys so much for checking out the show as always we really appreciate it uh, please go follow our social medias on TikTok and Instagram. Um, show us some love there. Uh, hopefully, Nick will be back next week. If not, we're going to work it out to where we have a special guest. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. But uh, thank you, guys, and we'll see you in the next episode.